Hello, hello, it's your girl Rachel Rill coming to you today with another episode for You Ain't Crazy. And You Ain't Crazy is a series that I've started with my walking talks, talking and walking, or it might be sitting down and talking, sitting and sipping. So just coming to you. Um, bringing more narcissistic awareness and joining that community that I've joined to speak out against it and helping victims and survivors to live healthier lives and know that they're not crazy. If you hear the birds chirping and cars driving or sometimes me out of breath, it is because I am walking and talking. It's one of those things I just enjoy doing. Sometimes when I'm talking, I love to walk as well. So I figured, let me just incorporate it in and bring this information to the forefront to do my due due diligence with helping people to overcome narcissistic abuse or not have to face it at all. Just from my own personal experiences. Let me just give this disclaimer. I am not a therapist, nor am I a psychologist. Or a counselor I am someone who has gone through narcissistic abuse and I'm sharing with you my personal experience as well as bringing to you the information that I've gathered with years of research as I thought I was losing my mind however once I figured out these uh, this personality has a name I kind of you know just made my healing go much better in terms of what I was going through Knowledge is power. When you can understand something, it doesn't take the pain away, but it at least will make you be able to know that you're not crazy because very often in the situation, it's so confusing, you can't quite put your finger on it sometimes, depending upon what else you have going on in your life. And unfortunately, you've kind of like pulled the blinders over other people's eyes to... Uh, who may have seen this person in your life differently and you put the blinders on them to see them in a different light and then when you when the mask slips then you're left looking like the fool so again it's just to put it out there to help victims and survivors you know go through their healing or not have to deal with this nonsense at all so here we go today I'm going to talk about um, the uh, three to four different uh, cycles that one will go through when they're dealing with a narcissist. And again, when you deal with a narcissist, don't take this stuff because there's so much content, guys, out there. And you have to really, really be careful. You just have to be careful for with how you decipher it, how you digest it, how you receive it. Just make sure it really fits your situation. Make sure you see a pattern because that's what narcissistic... Uh, narcissism is all about it is a pattern it's a personality disorder it's a personality so we all have personalities people who have narcissistic personality um who have a narcissist personality they it's it's a pattern and you will be gaslit very often where somebody's trying to have you question your reality when you're bringing this pattern up where oh no you know everybody Uh, yell everybody can get an attitude some people do solid treatment some people you know oh narcissists will never apologize so if he apologizes he's not a narc oh narcissists don't have a heart 
they are going to do this. They, so you're thinking, okay, because they look like they have a heart, uh, they're not a narcissist. Because they apologize, they're not a narcissist. Because they ignore me occasionally, they're not a narcissist. Everybody gives someone a solid treatment here and there. Like the cognizance, cognizant dissonance will be on 10, guys. And that's when a person is just ignoring the red flags all the time and just making excuses, 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 and throwing just pushing everything under the rug when you know for a fact that you know for a fact that you do see an issue or you see these red flags but you just keep pushing them under the rug so I can't stress it enough that you really have to do your homework and journal take notes you know just kind of be observant and see if it's a pattern and if it is you know what you're dealing with and it's so many resources out there, I'll be sharing them, where you can get help and get yourself out of the situation or never enter, enter it in the first place. Just kind of like cut it off or do what you have to do so you're not another person living years of this stuff, years of abuse in a situation. And I know of situations where people have lived 40 years, 50 years, oh my gosh, and these toxic types of marriages slash relationships and it's so unfortunate you know some of these people are now in their 60s and 70s and they live this stuff and never knew what it was called never knew that the person that they fell in love with or married had kids with started families with was a narcissist because it just wasn't uh i guess people just didn't talk about it or gave it that name it was either, oh, he's controlling, or oh, uh, he's definitely abusive. You know, I heard that coming up, and I'm in my 50s. I heard that coming up. However, it still wasn't anything people really, really talked about. You just knew you had some, hi, you had some dysfunction and toxic in relationships, and you knew you wanted to stay away, but not really understanding what a narcissist is or what that personality is. So again, I'm doing my due diligence to just make sure I do my part with talking about it. And if the shoe fits, wear it. You know, I'm not here to diagnose anybody or anything like that. It's about giving information, which is why I started this podcast so people can really understand exactly what it is, you know, and listen at your leisure. Um, But educate yourself, you know, even if you're If you feel like, oh, I've never dealt with anything like that, great. You know, perhaps you know someone who has and you can help them because we're in this together. It takes an army, forget the village, it takes an army to help with this situation and just to help give, give more support. And I am walking by these trucks, so you hear some noise, again, just don't even pay any any attention, please. Just ignore it. Ignore, ignore, ignore. They're doing some kind of construction out here. So anyway, back to the cycle um, of a narcissist, the different things they'll do, okay? We've talked about some of them. One is the idolizing. They will idolize you like no tomorrow so you have idolization you have um, um I just lost my train of thought because I had to reroute my walk so you have um, 
idolizing, you have devaluing, and you have discarding. And guys, I'm talking to you just off the top of my head, which is why I don't do much editing when it comes to the content because I'm giving it to you raw and just as it's coming to me organically. So again, you have idolization, you have um, devaluing, and you have discarding, and occasionally you have hoovering. And obviously all of them have a meaning. So the idolization goes back to the love bombing that we talked about. The uh, showering with gifts, the, you know, oh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's almost like they'll be whatever you want them to be. Just pleasing you and love bombing you and, you know, making sure you just feel secure and um, there's nothing they won't do. You know, they're so attentive, like overly attentive. And some of this stuff is like too good to be true. And when it seems like it's too good to be true, it usually is, you know, they go from doing that, those types of things with, again, the idolizing you, your family, get your family involved because you already feel so sure of them. Oh yeah, I can definitely introduce them, especially if it's a blended family, you know, you already have your family and they have theirs. They are, they give you that reassurance that you feel like, okay, it's now safe to introduce them to the family, your closest friends, to your closest friends. And meanwhile, that's all part of the facade, which is why they try to move so fast. You'll notice it's moving fast. And the rush is a person can only act for so long before that mask slips off, before you begin to see the true colors. So that idolization has to keep going with them doing all the different things that you would want them to do. And a lot of the times you've already told them what you want them to do. So they kind of know they we've made it easy for them because it's like, I already know the things that you like. And then I can also use the things from a, they can use the stuff from a previous failed relationship or marriage onto you because they knew what that person was complaining about. So they feel like, okay, they wanted this and this one. Uh, and probably the same gender male or female whatever the case may be I know they wanted it so maybe this person wants it too so they're going to take that and take what you've already told them you want them to do and try to bundle all of that in as part of the idolization right so you've given up all your information you've told them what you want and you might be seeing some red flags here and there because it's going to show and but the idolization is so strong that it makes you kind of overstep your boundaries. It makes you start putting your guards down, letting your guards down, you know, because it feels so good. You're like, uh, everybody, you start making excuses, you know, things that you would usually leave a relationship for. They've loved on you so good that you're like, oh, I'm not gonna worry about that. You know, I'm not gonna worry that they yelled or I'm not gonna worry that they got a little aggressive. It was just a little aggressive. When full well, it was enough to make you leave. Um, oh, they lied. Um, any of the things that you 
would not put up with, especially when it happens, uh, you know, a few times and things like that, or even if it happened once. Certain things that are deal breakers, things of that nature, disrespect and stuff like that, and pushing it under the rug, or in my case, like the abuse of alcohol, I totally ignored it because I felt like the love bombing felt so good. I'm like, okay, maybe if he drink at night while I'm asleep, maybe if he uh, don't drink as much, maybe knowing full well it was an issue that I could not handle. And he began to pretty much, you know, just kind of show me, showed me who he was. Like after the idolization, when we were going into the next phase of the devaluing, once I began to complain about some of the stuff that I couldn't take anymore or even tried to bring it up, the devaluing starts. And that's just to break you because now he has access to your family members, he or she, I'm saying he, it comes naturally because I'm a female, but you've given them access and you've kind of shown them to your people, introduced them to them and all of that kind of stuff to your people. And meanwhile, it's like, you know what? How do I go back and tell these people that it's not true? Because for that period, you, you know, your word has always been your bond within a, in the eyesight of your family and friends. And it's like, you'll look crazy if you seem indecisive and unsure or I love them today, I don't love them tomorrow. Like it became, in my case, it was so crazy because it was so off and on that it created a pattern like when stuff was really, really bad, it just looked as if, oh, they always go through stuff. They're all right, they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be fine. So you start to lose your support. You start to, and I, that isolation comes into play with that too. And that's all the mission of the narcissist to isolate you. If I can idolize you and make you feel on top of the world, make you feel like I'm the best thing since sliced bread by giving you support, by um, acting as if I'm in on all of your goals and you have conversations where you're thinking you're gonna build a life together and they're acting as if they're all in on it, which is called future faking. You know, they're telling you what they wanna do and things like that and you never see it come to fruition but you begin to see the pattern and it's like, well, I can't keep making excuses. This is time for, let's have a conversation. And whoa, when you are ready to have that conversation, again, back to the devaluing, that's when that starts. So they'll start the very things that they love bombed you with and was telling you um, how great you are and in on your, your future goals, you know, the things that you wanna do together in the future, things like that, just planning them out. All of that gets twisted. Well, I didn't want that. I did that because of you. Well, I didn't, oh, I never said that. You know, back to having you to question. Yes, you did. Yeah, we were. You know, stuff like that. And they want to make you look like you're crazy. And then what kind of support are you going to have when you've pretty much portrayed this person to all of your closest friends and family like they were it. They're the one. This is the one. And they're knowing you to be pretty on point so you don't want to put yourself out there looking like all of a sudden you're this crazy person and unfortunately it does happen where we put ourselves out there like okay all right 
you know, he's, he's not that person, he's better. So you go from telling them, okay, he's the best thing since sliced bread, and then when you start to feel devalued, you're going back and you're like, oh, he did this or she did that, and then it's like they come back again and love bomb you some more, and then you go back and you're like, uh, oh, sorry, he's the worst, and why are you talking to him? You get mad with your family members and closest friends for even wanting to talk to them. And then you see it's all just crazy and mixed up. So then it's like, let me just shut up. Because one moment I want them to talk to him, the next moment it's not okay to talk to him. And you feel isolated because you know the shit that you're going through behind closed doors. And you're feeling like my child is talking to you or my best friend is talking to you or my relative. It can be any freaking body. You know, you just don't want anybody. You feel like he doesn't deserve to talk to anybody in your circle that you've introduced him to because of how he treats you or she treats you. And unfortunately, that's the cycle. You know, it's all a cycle and a pattern. So when they're idolizing you, then they devalue you. You know, you start questioning. Um, Thank God I've always felt pretty high. Good morning. I've always felt pretty confident in my appearance and my capabilities things like that so I was a hard supply (laughs) a hard supply because I'm looking at you but at the same time you know I'm not giving in like that because my radar is like on point my antennas are up and I'm really watching you so yeah it still caused a lot of confusion with like family and stuff like that it was conflicting because they had no clue as to what was really, really going on. They only saw bits and pieces and then saw my reaction because I kind of started being really on the defense because I was so on the defense at home, I'm on the defense all around me, you know, which is why it's so unhealthy because it can take you totally out of character. But I began to, you know, as one would try to, like try to devalue and I've just heard of situations where you know, the man will start to, or even the female, the very things that they claimed they loved about you is what they will start to try to pull away from you. You know, whether it was your par- your appearance, your hairstyle, your smell, your your job, your support, you know, any of the, the things where, like, I'm pretty, I would say pretty feisty, but at the same time, I'm loving and caring as well. But it was, he was like, in the beginning, you know, I love your, he loved the, just my spark and my feistiness and my wit and things like that and it's like all of a sudden he couldn't take a joke and then he could take a joke and then you know it was just a pattern of inconsistency and that's what you have to look for patterns 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 so the very things that they idolize you for will be the very things that they will devalue you with and then after devaluing you that's when they want to discard you and it's all about supply for a narcissist because they don't look at people like you're like a healthy person looks at a person, you know, like the, you you look at a person as a human being, you're going to have compassion, you're going to have empathy, like genuine empathy, not the stuff that they do, where they will show empathy, but it's fake, they will, and some don't have it at all, it just depends on the type of narcissist it is, he or she is, Um, but they look at a person, which is why they can discard you so easily, because they look at you like an object, basically, you're like their favorite shoe or you're like oh that they may not like anymore you know maybe the shoe is ran over in their brain that's how it looks like you become tarnished you're an object that's now tarnished and they can just discard you like it's nothing 
which is why some people will be like, oh, damn, you know, how did you go from loving me so much and, you know, got me on this high and now all of a sudden you're talking about the very things you used to say you love and now you're doing all of this craziness and not trying to keep the relationship or the marriage together like they can just discard you like you're a piece of trash and they just put the trash out that's how they literally can think and then I guess their brain goes to oh shit you know the grass isn't green over here let me try to I'm getting bored over here let me go back you know and then try to hoover you and hoover is a term that comes from uh, the vacuum hoover where you're you're being sucked back into which is why it's called hoovering they're just going to suck you back into the situation back into that same cycle where you will get love bombed again devalued again discarded again and hoover it's just that complete cycle and you will go crazy if you allow yourself to, to be into it to fall back into it don't do it you know they're not going to change it's just going to get worse and unfortunately, people who have that kind of personality, they basically get off on going through that cycle, just that whole cycle of abuse, idolization, devaluation, discard, and Hoover. Now, some people may not get Hoovered because, you know, you may have been a tough supply or um, they may not be ready yet to come back. It can be anything. Just don't just count your lucky stars if you're not hoovered because it's it's just a form of harassment it's a form of you know hopefully you've stood your ground enough to the point where they won't bother you they will know that okay I'm not going to bark down that alley because he or she ain't having it you know it's not worth my time let me go somewhere else where it's easy um, or easier and they won't bother you you know, they may give us some time. It might be years later. I've heard people who've gotten Hoover years later. And again, don't be fooled by that nonsense because again, the only way a, a person can change their personality, which is very, very difficult, they got to put the work in and you have to want to do it. And a lot of the times there is no real incentive, especially if there aren't kids involved and stuff like that. There's really no, really no incentive for that person to change their personality and put the work in they're just going to move on to the next because it's easier for them to do that he or she because they don't have to worry about somebody who already knows them things like that it's going to nine times nine times out of ten it's going to be somebody who doesn't know them as a narcissist yet and then they'll just do it to them and then they'll do it to the other you know and that'll just be their life so that's why so many of them just won't get the necessary help because it kind of goes against who they are, especially feeling like I don't have a problem. And they are just such great manipulators with a capital M that they're going to always twist things around to pry victim and make you look like the, the aggressor or the offender. So back to, again, a lot of their, I think what gets confusing with people is because they can have your regular person can have certain narcissistic traits, right? But they're not a narcissist. It can be someone who's responding to reactive abuse, which is basically you're reacting because you've been abused. So the narcissist will try to twist things and portray you as this aggressor, this aggressive person who's just, you got too much mouth or you don't want to submit or you're disrespectful 
they'll put all of that stuff out there because they're going to try to trigger you and then step back and make you look like a fool. So you just got to be very, very careful and not buy into all of this nonsense. Be on, be on your game. Educate yourself. Armor up with knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Knowledge is key to understanding this. You know, you just can't read a little bit or hear a little bit and run with it. Oh, this person is an art. Or um, you just really have to see. Again, I can't stress patterns enough because it took me some years before I finally could be like, okay, yeah, you definitely forget someone saying, oh, you can't diagnose, oh, you can't. I'm not trying to diagnose anything, but I know a personality when I see one, you know? And like I said, we all have, everyone has a personality and it's usually developed in your childhood, you know, your character, your core values and morals and things like that. And, you know, sometimes if you know you have a bad habit, you're gonna to try to fight to kick the bad habit because in your mind, you wanna be a better version of yourself. People who have nar a narcissistic personality, their brain is not wired like that. Their brain is wired, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And people just are objects. They're not human beings. What's a heart? What's a brain? What feelings? They're just an object, which is why they don't care. They don't care what they do. They don't care if they manipulate you. They don't care if you cry. As a matter of fact, they want to make you cry so that they can feel good and you can look up to them, to almost idolizing them to dry your tears away when they're the one who's causing your tears. So that's the whole thing where they're trying to make you think you're crazy. And that's why the title of this podcast is You Ain't Crazy, because I really want people to understand the dynamics of this personality trait and not downplay it and definitely not be uneducated. I can't tell you how many people think they know about this thing and they're just clueless. They think that it's something you can identify just looking at a person. They think it's associated with your, your zodiac sign. They think it can be anything. And I've just gotten to a point where I just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't even like feed into it because the only way you will know is if you've done the research, if you've been close to someone who has been abused by a narcissist, because some people are being abused by it and they have no clue that they're even in an abusive narcissistic relationship or that one partner or the other, male or female, is a narcissist. You know, you can read enough and look at the personality characteristics of someone who has this disorder and answer the questions, you know, do they fit the mold? Do they fit this criteria? How many of these traits do they have from one to 10 or one to 12? I think mine had like 11. So I'm like, you know what? I don't need to know anything else because it was literally a pattern that consistently happened up and down. There were good times, there were bad times, and the bad times began to outweigh the good times and I could no longer keep making excuses about the drinking, about the, because at first I was like, okay, maybe he drinks because he's dealing with hurt that happened in his past. Who haven't had hurt in their past? Having hurt in your past does not give you the green light or the okay to walk over somebody, to treat other people like shit, to use them as a punching bag. You know, it doesn't give you that excuse. If you have trauma that you haven't dealt with, you need to get some help, get into some therapy, 
get into life coaching, you know? So, and I can, I have resources for that too, for different uh, programs and things of that nature, but you gotta be willing to put the work in like anyone who wants to change and be a better version of themselves, which we all can do. It's just that when people have certain mental disorders, just like a person who's bipolar, schizophrenia, who has schizophrenia and things like that, they have to take medication to control certain things, and that's another issue. I'm not a therapist or a psychologist to speak on that, but I've heard people who, um, I've heard their battle cry who had to deal with people who have that. The thing with narcissists, with a narcissist, there's no pill, you know? They may hear these voices just like a person who has schizophrenia. They hear voices, and from what I was told by the person I was with, he said, you know, the voices would come whenever he was idle, whenever things got quiet, that's when they would come, so that's why he would drink. Could have been another excuse just to drink or abuse alcohol. I'm just sitting and listening because I am a compassionate person and trying to understand, but when your reaction is negatively put on me, you know, in a toxic way, that's when we want to have a problem. And that's not acceptable, which is when you really need to get out of the situation or, you know, not get into it in the first place when somebody has not dealt with their trauma. That's a sign as well. So guys, I'm getting ready to end this session today, this episode. And I hope you got something from it. The takeaway is, is understanding the cycle of our narcissist, which is idolization, that's the love bomb of phase, devaluation, that's the gaslighting and the projecting and things like that, you know, using against you everything that you've told to them, your animal secrets and all of that kind of stuff, they're going to use it against you, um, try to turn your family against you and all that kind of stuff, and then discard you, discarding is when they're pretty much ignoring you, don't want anything else to do with you, making you feel like crap, and, you know, that's when your tears and all of that probably come, and you feel like you're so into it, and you just, you're chasing the high that you had when you were being idolized, you're chasing the high that they made you feel while they were love bombing you, so that's that whole cycle, it just goes around and around and around, and then the hoovering is, they'll suck you back in, like, oh, I'm sorry, you get the crocodile tears, yeah, let's make it work. And even if you were the person that reached out to them because you have a heart and you're like, maybe I just overlooked something. Maybe I didn't give them a chance. Maybe, you know, it was me like I did, you know, like, come on, let's make this work. And every time I would open that door, that window, it was like I got sucked right back into it. So it was like I pulled the vacuum out and then he sucked me into the, he sucked me into the vacuum. You know, I'm thinking, okay, let me extend an olive branch. Let's make this work. Because I got accused of, you know, I told you I would never leave you. In order for you, for us not to work, you would have to leave me. You were the one that filed the divorce. I didn't. That's why I didn't show up. So I felt like crap initially because I'm like, you're right. I did. I did. You know, I did go and file. No, you didn't show up. Yes, I caused it. So I think the divorce happened like on the 22nd of it was October. It got the envelope the 22nd of October. We remarried the 26th of October. It was crazy, literally. So how do I, what am I looking like to family and friends? 
you divorced and you got back married, it sounds like a happy ending. But, whoa, when I tell you, it was 10 times worse. Talk about isolation. Who are you going to talk to now? You've literally had a divorce and remarried the person. And then ended up going right back again, trying to make it work because I felt like, well, he didn't, we didn't, I didn't get physically beat up, you know, but was I emotionally abused? Yes, like terribly, which is why I was kind of like losing myself to this situation, giving so much energy and time to it and just going with the flow. I just felt kind of helpless and felt like I was tired of fighting, didn't want to fight anymore, didn't want to argue anymore. Can we just get along? You know, let me not say nothing. That way I'm not triggering him. Let me just let him do his thing. And when I, that's when I really began to see the abuse because I'm like, I'm not saying nothing. I'm not responding anymore. I'm extending all the branches. I'm always seeing the good. Okay, that happened. Let's try to not do this. Or if he called me on my name or something, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm like, dude, I thought we weren't exchanging those types of words towards each other anymore. You know, I began to see everything about what he was doing because I wasn't doing anything, literally. And he would try to make up something or, well, you started, that you were the first person who ever called me out my name. Um, back when we started the relationship, now mind you, it was like 2020 and that was 2016. And I'm sitting up here like, what are you talking about, first of all? Because I would never just come out the blue and call you a name, you know? I'm not gonna do that. First of all, I don't even speak that way. So it was like, can I go there if, you, if you're calling me? Yes, can I go, go there? I just thought he was overly sensitive and I said, you know, I feel like I'm dealing with somebody of the same gender. Well, you called me a bitch, you called me a bitch. That was the thing that happened in 2016 that he would re was referring to in, in 2020 because like I said, I was doing, wasn't doing anything. I'm like, I'm gonna let this man hang himself because I'm getting out of the hot seat. I don't wanna be blamed with my core spiritual beliefs. I don't wanna have another divorce and I gotta make this thing work. But he took that and ran with it and tried to shred me to pieces emotionally and I wasn't having it, which is why I was like, nope, I'm done, I'm done. Totally done and had to go no contact. Um, so again, I'm speaking out on it just to share my experience as well as bring um, just awareness to this personality trait. And I'll keep talking about it. I'll bring different examples and different terms. And today, again, the term is the cycle of abuse dealing with a narcissist. And that is idolization, devaluation and discarding and possibly hoovering. So it's three to four traits. Okay, guys, peace out. I'm out. Have a blessed day. Love you guys. Bye. Stay mentally healthy, mentally fit. Bye.